0: Alrighty, we are ready to get started today. How is everyone doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Thank you very much for tuning into the Focus Compounding Podcast. Sitting alongside Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much for asking. This is the audio part of our business. If you do want to get access to our investing content and write up idea website, go to focuscompounding.com. And if you do sign up, be sure to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast. And it'll take $10 off the subscription price indefinitely as long as you do stay a member. So today, we do have a very special guest on the podcast and he is the first guest that we've ever had on the podcast. That's correct. Normally you're the one that gets to talk the whole show, mm-hmm. but now we're gonna um, give somebody else uh, time to, to chat about it. And his name is Vetla Forshlad. He's been on the Focus Compound website many times and writing about many different ideas. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be talking about an idea um, today, and he's all the way in Norway, and if you could believe it, as we're recording this at 6.22 p.m. in Dallas, Texas, what time is it, Vela? You said it's like 1 a.m.?
1: It's 1 a.m., exactly, yeah. 1 a.m. So 1.22 a.m.
0: 1.22, gosh, this, this can't kill this guy. <laughs> he's, he's great. I mean, he uh, so he's all got up on his uh, his coffee and he's ready to talk about an idea. And there's a stock that he wrote up, which was GameStop, which of course being in Dallas is where uh, their HQ is. He said it's actually Grapevine, which is a town not too far from where we're actually sitting right now. Um, so what, I guess, a good way to sort of, um, a good segue to start, talking about is what initially drew you to GameStop? Obviously, it's come up on a lot of people's screens probably for the past three to four years, I would say. Um, but what initially drew you to it?
1: Well, it's probably one of the most debated stocks on Wall Street right now. Uh, it, it's trading at extremely low multiples. It's a fa- The stock price has absolutely fallen off a cliff, about 80% from a, a top of $60 per share. Now it's at $12 per share, or $15 per share. Um, and I just wanted to find out if this is something I could have in my portfolio or not, basically. I want to be a part of the discussion.
0: Sure. no, and I think that's that's obviously um, being a value investor when a lot of ideas uh, obviously come onto our radar. So just I guess for the viewers so they could sort of gauge you, are you do you run more of a concentrated portfolio or are you more uh, diversified among holding a bunch of different stocks or what's your sort of thought process on that?
1: No, yeah, I'm more concentrated. five to eight stocks
0: did you say five to eight yeah yeah so that's obviously um obviously that is yeah definitely more concentrated. well great so so you said that it came up on your screen pretty much because it was trading cheaper and then what like do you i mean do you like the business do you not like the business what are your your thoughts on the actual business overview uh do you think it has a moat you know what is their business etc sort of like that
1: Okay, so it's a traditional retail business. It's a family of retailers, uh, most known for owning and operating the GameStop branded stores all over the US and other parts of the world, which is the classic GameStop brand. People have, of course, heard of GameStop, the store. Um, And additionally, they're the largest AT&T retailer in the world and the largest Apple reseller in the world. So they sell all sorts of things in uh, classic brick and mortar stores. Got it, and
0: so obviously, You know, you and I, um, I'm sure you've used GameStop for some time. Do you think that the talk and what the consensus is is that um, a lot of people are going to purchase games more so like online instead of actually going to GameStop and getting the hard copies of the games? Or what's sort of been the bear case for GameStop and why it's fallen?
1: Yeah. So essentially, the short thesis is that physical video games and consoles can be bought elsewhere, like online or on Amazon. So people believe that GameStop will eventually disappear and that they, their earnings will decline uh, rapidly.
0: It's it's almost like they think like what happened to Blockbuster is what's going to happen to sort of the gaming industry. Do you sort of believe that or what, yeah, what are your thoughts on it, that?
1: It's It's kind of like that. But the big difference is that... GameStop's balance sheet, first and foremost, is way cleaner than that of Blockbuster, and I think there's more reason to buy stuff off GameStop than buy stuff off Blockbuster. There's really no reason to buy stuff off uh, Blockbuster versus, say, Netflix or Amazon Prime.
2: Yeah, I guess the better comparison is like uh, Barnes & Noble and uh, Best Buy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Best Buy is a good comparison. Yeah.
2: So why did Best Buy stock go up and GameStop stock stayed down in the last few years?
1: Um, So basically Best Buy um, went down on the belief that people would stop buying the products that they were selling and it fell off a cliff from, I believe, from $40 per share to $11 per share, which is um, GameStop followed the same path, uh, falling from $60 per share to uh, $12 per share. However, the big difference is that Best Buy turned around once people realized that um, um, it made it actually made sense to buy products off Best Buy, it made sense to actually go into the store, uh, look at the products they had, and own physical versions, uh, or to actually see the products in person before purchasing them off online. Now it's slightly it's different in some ways because the things you can buy off GameStop you can actually buy of online competitors like, for instance, uh, PS Store. But there are several reasons why someone would like to buy physical video games versus uh, digital video games.
2: So let's talk a little bit about the difference between uh, like how successful Steam has been in PC games versus what you see in consoles.
1: Yeah, okay, so Buying a game digitally on console is not as easy as buying it on Steam or something because Steam is a PC platform, they exclusively sell PC games and GameStop stopped selling PC games many years ago. That was never their main focus. Um, and the reason why I think that get something like Steam coming to console and changing the whole um, the, the whole uh, market, I don't think that's going to happen to console. First of all, because the user interface for console like ps Story is messy. Like you have to deal with a controller created for gaming. You can't navigate as easily. You can't type for games you'd like to buy. And the whole process is just, you know, slightly painful, in my opinion. Um, I'm a gamer, and I think I've only bought like two video games on PS Store. And both of them are huge games like Grand Theft Auto or whatever that are easy to find and are, like marketed to you. Um, another thing is that consoles don't really have a large memory like PlayStation has around 500 gigabytes, Xbox One has one terabyte. That sounds like a lot, but new big console releases can take up as much as 100 gigabytes of space, including the new Forza 7, um, the newest Call of Duty, God of War, they're taking up about 50 gigabytes of space, which really means that the average gamer can't really store more than 20 games on their console at the same time, which sounds like a lot, but I know that I, for instance, I have 80 games installed on my computer, that's not abnormal. I know people with more than 200 games installed on their computer and anxious gamers don't want to reinstall and reinstall the games that they have previously purchased. They just want to be able to play it within seconds. I mean, why wouldn't they? They paid $40 for a game, $30 for a game. Um, so they want to be able to play it anytime they'd like. They don't want to wait for eight to 10 hours to, to download and play a game. Um, and many gamers don't really have the high speed internet needed to download games in a matter of, you know, a few hours. No, I completely Um,
0: agree with that. And you, I think in your, your article, you did talk about the convenience of going to GameStop to, um, to, to purchase a game instead of like waiting a full day to download a some odd 20 gigabyte game on, on the internet or whatever.
1: In one of their earnings call, um, I don't remember who exactly, but one of the executives said that the nearest Game store is on average for each and every American five minutes away. Now compare that with, if I recall correctly, the, Amer- the average American household uh, would have to wait eight hours to download a brand new large game. So th- it's really the matter of eight hours versus five, a five minute drive. Mm-hmm. And some people will have to wait for several days. Uh, Before they can download their game because in the rural areas of America, the internet is just painfully slow
2: So how important is used games for them?
1: used games so used games make up about if I recall correctly, I think it's 30% of uh, Gross profits. So basically what's happening is that people buy physical copies of a video game and they play it maybe for six months, then they get tired of it and they can go to their closest GameStop store and they can sell this game and to GameStop and then GameStop will uh, take this game and resell it for a higher price. And they, they their margins for this part of the business are just extremely high. Um, and it's also beneficial for the gamers because they can resell. Uh, the copy of the game they already bought. They can get some of their money back. You can't do that with a digital copy. If you buy an online copy of a video game, you can't sell that to someone else. You're stuck with it forever. So I'm not sure how important that is, but it's certainly something to consider. I know I have sold games to GameStop before. And if you sell games to GameStop and you know that you're going to buy more games, which most gamers will, most gamers don't quit gaming forever then you get, you get extra credit to buy stuff off GameStop. Now that So
0: yeah, that program definitely works quite well.
1: Yeah, they have so they have a good reward program. I'd say they have a good reward program. Yeah. With like <laughs> uh 6 million paying members, I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. And then you didn't mention in your article as well that they are um one of the largest AT&T retailers and the largest Apple products resellers. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of contributes to uh, their business?
1: Sure. So it's called the Tech Brands, which is the Apple reseller business and the AT&T retailer re- uh, part of the business. And together, uh, the Tech Brands make up about 20% of gross profits. And it was, a, it was an effort of diversifying away from just the GameStop branded stores uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and I really like the idea of diversifying the revenue streams, and they have succeeded in one way, as their tech brands is now a, a major part of their revenue streams. Um, however, I think the execution could have been way better in light of the four hundred million dollar write off. I think earlier this year, um, basically they had to write off four hundred million dollars off their tech brands as they realized people want to upgrade their phones as freaking over the next decade which is easy to imagine, like imagine the evolvement from the iPhone three to the iPhone four and then to the iPhone five and then the six, um, each model became way better, way faster. The interface got better. It was just more, it was just a better phone, plain and simple. Like if you compare that with the difference between the iPhone six and the iPhone eight, it's not that big of a leap. It's not a huge leap for, for iPhones. Um, so they had to write off uh, parts of their, uh, tech brands business. Um, but they acquired these stores in 2013. Um, and I'm saying the execution was bad because they basically took cash from their failing core business, uh, their GameStop brand and put it into another slightly better business. Um, however, I think the tech brands part of the games I want to save the company, but it helped them. Sure, they spent millions of dollars that they could have spent on, for instance, paying down their debt. But at the same time, they would have been stuck with uh, a, a very different business model. And if you compare old GameStop with um, uh, with the new GameStop, if you can compare the 2008 GameStop's uh, 10K with their 2018 10K, it's like two very, very different businesses. In Ten years ago, GameStop only relied on their GameStop brands. While today they have, they have their GameStop brands, of course, and then they have ThinkGeek, and they have their Game Informer magazines, then they have their tech brands, and they just have so much more, and I believe that they're just more, uh, they're strengthened a lot, and they're more ready to move into a world where people, um, well, where retail is not gonna be as important or it's going to be replaced by online retail.
2: So besides uh, diversifying into other businesses, what have they tried to do to get their stock price up?
1: Um, well, basically they have these, they, it's a cash cow. It's a cash cow. They have free cash flow of uh, $390 million in 2017. Um, and they spent that cash basically uh, all over. They have bought back stock and they have paid a huge dividend. And, uh, they have tried to acquire other businesses. So, um, since the stock started falling in 2013 and since then, Gamestop has bought back stock, the stock keeps falling. Then they say they're diversifying into other businesses like the tech brands, the stock keeps falling. And then they initially initiate a large dividend and the stock keeps falling. Um, so they basically just try to put a floor on the stock, on the stock price, uh, to make it more attractive to investors. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, you, and, and
0: the, you you write in your article that the, the short, the flow is like 40% short, correct?
1: Oh yeah, 40%. That's more than any stock on the S&P 500. It's not in the S&P 500, but it's more than any other stock on the, in the S&P 500. And do you think so it's that's hef-
0: just the consensus that pretty much it's just that going to buy traditional discs and games is just totally dead?
1: Yes, basically. And like the upside scenario in GameStop is not that it will come back bigger and better than ever. It's just that GameStop, GameStop's earnings decline will happen slower than expected. If they, If it happens slower than expected, or if they stay in a better shape than expected for a longer period of time, it's probably gonna outperform most other stocks out there.
2: And that's because of the low multiple?
1: Yes, the so, multiple. Yeah, so it's, let's
2: talk a little bit about just how cheap it is.
1: Right. So it's very, very cheap on almost, on all measures, basically. It has an EV EBITDA of 4.5. And if we exclude the one-time write-off this January, it's trading at 2.5 times EBITDA. It has a PE of 3.5, EV sales of 0.15, I think. And then a free cash flow yield of 24% and a dividend yield of over 10%.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's so, that's pretty crazy. I don't even know if I... so. Like, some, look at the
2: EV yeah. to sales. That's less than you'd have on like a supermarket or a, or a general uh, retailer. Yeah,
1: yeah. To put it uh, in perspective, the average retailer trades at an EV about out of ten times earnings. So what the market is basically saying is that, um, what's that going to be? Yeah, that they think that GameStop is what's that seventy percent worse than any other retailer out there. Mm-hmm. And the lowest multiple for any segment of retailers is seven times EBITDA. So even if you take the lowest multiple for what the market thinks is the worst kind of retailers, GameStop is still trading at forty percent of that.
2: And this is a company that has very little offline competition, right? Brick and mortar competition is minimal here.
1: Oh yeah, it's just like it's just games It's basically just GameStop. But then they also have uh, competitors in, for instance, Best Buy. But the thing about Best Buy is that it's a huge store. It's enormous. While GameStop is very small, you go in, you buy your game, you get out. With Best Buy, they have like, they sell everything. They sell like everything from TVs to, you know, w- phones, whatever. Um, so I wouldn't really call it um, a true competitor because you most people don't go to a Best Buy to to buy a video game. If they want a video game, they go to GameStop. So it's almost like a monopoly, yet it's trading um, at 2.5 times. Uh, Ibra.
2: So I guess my concern here uh, when I was reading through your uh, write-up is that I just am not sure this is a company that should have debt on its balance sheet or that should be paying such a high dividend.
1: Right. Yes, I agree with that. I don't think they should have they, I don't think that they should pay that high of a dividend, honestly. Um, but uh, like for instance a couple of years ago they were buying back stocks but at like uh, $30 per share. So Um, that's some real value destruction right Mm -hmm. there. So I think it would have been better if those numbers would have been flipped, if they would buy back shares now and then maybe pay the dividend two years ago. However, they're just so obsessed with keeping, um, with marketing their stock to potential investors. Um, So yeah, that's basically it. Because
2: they do have lease obligations, right? I mean, they lease all their stores.
1: They do. They do. They lease all their stores over a five-year term. Mm-hmm. So they're short-term. So, uh, one guy, um, commented, he was, um, he had some questions about the lease position. So I could talk about that if you'd like. Okay, great. All right. Um, so I like their lease position right now because they, uh, since they're short term, they can take advantage of this by quickly closing down stores that are unprofitable and renew their profitable stores without paying too much. For instance, between 2013 and 2015, they closed down, I think around 10% of their US based GameStop stores, um, which caused profit per store to increase from like $80,000 to $100,000. And store count growth has outpaced lease expense growth over the past decade too. So, and right now, about 80% of all of the leases will expire before 2021, uh, which makes them very flexible as they can close down unprofitable profitable stores uh, before they become a significant burden for the company. Um, so I think the member asked if it will be a problem that GameStop won't be able to close down stores when they become unprofitable, um, which has caused many problems for other retailers. And I just, I don't think this will be a problem for GameStop since they are so flexible. Um, and it especially won't become a problem over the next couple of years as as I said as 80% of the stores are up for renewal um, so Yeah, they will be able to quickly close down their profitable stores Which will you know with so that's not going to become a burden for the company
2: So how easily are they meeting their obligations if we take into account that they have debt They're gonna pay their rent and they don't intend to cut the dividend.
1: So are you asking about the rental expenses, what they're projected to be?
2: Yeah, well I'm just asking like how well are they covering their fixed charges just in terms of uh, like let's say they are gonna pay that dividend, They're not. that's not really uh, cash that they're not gonna stop paying out. Um, so like what? how far are we talking about sales would have to decline before they'd have to cut the dividend or do something like that?
1: Um, so right now they're spending about 50% of their free cash flow on dividends. Um, and then the rental expenses is like, is that's a part of their operating expenses, mm-hmm. so it's not really something that they have to take into account for because rental expenses in the future is not going to be any significantly larger than it's been in the past. I think they're, um, yeah, so I think they're projecting rental expenses to be lower over the next couple of years than it's been in the past even though it's a more mature business and even though revenues have actually increased over the past five years. Um, So I don't think um, investors need to worry about the release position, to be honest, if that answers your your question. So what
2: do you think the risks are on the stock? Mm,
1: Basically, um, number one, they have $800 million in debt. That is a risk. Um, But they also have uh, a cash pile of more than their debt about 850 million dollars which is more than their debt pile and the biggest risk is that people will stop buying physical video games um just as quick as expected
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the stock doesn't go up in, in the meantime while that's happening you don't get a higher multiple to sell at it
0: yeah yeah exactly so you, you sort of, I know the way that you um, think about valuing companies is similar to the way that Jeff and I do about think about what a business could look like four or five years into the future. Um, mm-hmm. what, how do you think about GameStop four to five years into the future and what the value right. could
1: be? Yeah. So valuing GameStop is sort of tricky because when you value a company, you'll also have to assume what a normal multiple will be. But it's difficult to assume what that will be for GameStop. Sure. And the thing is that the disintermediation expectation um, will never go away. People will never stop and think, hey, GameStop survived after all. Um, however, the upside potential, like I mentioned, is is not that the decline will stop. It's that GameStop's decline will either not continue as fast as expected, uh, not to the same extent as expected, uh, or maybe it will remain in a state that is not as bad as expected, or GameStop manages to diversify more than expected and more successfully than expected. So if any of those happen, which I think is likely, um, given the diversion between GameStop's financials and the stock price in the past, it can be a good stock for even a conservative investor. So having said that I could walk you through how I valued GameStop in my write-up. Yeah, that'd like. be great. Okay. So I mentioned that the lowest multiple for any segment of retailers is seven times EBITDA, right? So that's three times as much as GameStop's forward multiple. Um, now over the past years, GameStop's revenues have declined something like 2% and then EBITDA has declined 0.5% over the same time period.
2: Okay.
1: So we can assume that EBITDA will decrease about 5% annually over the next five years. Um, And if you slash just a five times EBITDA multiple on top of that figure, um, if I recall, I think we'll get a potential stock price of $20 per share. So that's an annual return right under 10%. Now, that does not sound like a lot. But then you have to remember that GameStop produces a lot of cash year in, year out. And over the next five years, they'll generate $13 per share in cash. So if you add that to the $20 per share, given a multiple of five times EBITDA, that's a total share price of thirty-three dollars per share. So that's um, so thir- that's an annual return of like sixteen percent a year.
0: Yeah, I think you actually. Yeah, you had
1: nineteen percent annual return. Yeah. yeah. So, so what when, when I return. wrote the write-up, it up? I think GameStop was at like twelve dollars per share. Okay. okay. And now it's at fifteen after some. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk
2: about start? that? Sure, we can about, do that. So what's happened since you did the write-up?
1: Two things have happened. One bad thing that turned out to be not that bad. A one good thing that just is a good thing. I can. The bad thing was that um, Netflix apparently were gonna move into gaming. There or people thought that Netflix would offer like um, a Netflix Netflix like platform a streaming like platform, but for gaming. So you could pay say fifteen dollars a month and then get access to certain games. But I believe they they released another press release saying that. That's not the case. They're just um, working on two games one for Stranger Things, a Netflix original series, um, which are going to turn into an interactive game. And then they're making something like a series slash game for Minecraft. So it will probably be uh, full of cutscenes, but they're not going into the gaming industry after all. So, for games I spiked on the news, it actually is, went up after the whole Netflix thing. Um, Then the other thing was that um, GameStop are officially in talks with several private equity companies. And they named one of them, which I think was Syndicate Partners. I don't remember exactly. It was a private equity firm that was just interested in GameStop. And they just said that they were in talks with um, several external companies. So, yeah. So, since then... Uh, since those two news um, news releases, the stock is up about 20%, 25%.
0: Wow, so do you think that right now is probably, given all those, um, I guess with the strategic or alliance, whatever they're doing with the private equity uh, business, do you think that right now is probably one of the best times in the company's history to potentially invest, given its future? Or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, it certainly has a clear catalyst right now, sure. a very clear catalyst. Yeah. Like two months ago... Um, an investor would have to say, okay, it's been declining for four years, five years. Why will it turn around now? While now you actually have something um, material that might end up turning the whole ship around. That's something that GameStop hasn't seen in a long while. No, I think that's that's
0: a really great point.
2: And so have you been to a GameStop in person in the US?
1: I have. Yeah. Well, we even have we have them in Norway too, but yeah, yeah. I've been to a couple in San Francisco. Yeah, so I,
2: I was curious about that about in other countries. So I know some of the companies that GameStop rolled up and stuff here, um, and haven't. I've pl- been in plenty of GameStops in the US, but is their position a lot different in other countries?
1: Uh, No, I don't think so. Well, Norway, I've, I've found that Norway is very similar to America in a lot of ways. So, people use Steam here, we use Origin, but people also, we also have Amazon, um, but people still buy physical video games off GameStop stores. And the GameStop store in Norway is extremely similar to the GameStop store in the US. They have a lot of accessories, they have a lot of collectibles, and it's not all just video games anymore. Mm. It's just a place for uh, video game geeks or for geeks to go into and just look around and then buy stuff related to the gaming world
2: yeah i thought maybe we should talk a little bit about like the format of gamestop and stuff because we've been in them but i don't think everyone listening to this has like so how many employees are we talking about how big is the the space that we're talking about
1: yeah i'm not really sure what the space is this the space is in square feet i have not i'm I'm still in our european system here okay (laughs) so uh, yeah i know it in meters ish
2: Mm -hmm. but i mean it's a small it's a small format store yeah it, yes, it's, it's no bigger small. than like, say, if people have been in a Radio Shack or something, it's probably
0: on say like a FedEx, or Radio uh, Yeah, Radio Shack, it's, even it's FedEx a, maybe be a bit oh, excessive, yeah. but yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, there are times when you go in where there's, what, one employee out front, um, and then at most you have, what, two or three employees that you'll see around there, I- I'm yeah. guessing?
1: I've, I've never seen more than three. Yeah. I rarely see more than three.
2: Mm-hmm. So we talked about Tandy recently, which is modeled after Radio Shack. I'd say it's similar to that in terms of employee numbers. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah.
1: So the average uh, video game store size is uh, 1,700 square feet. Okay. That doesn't tell me anything, but hopefully it tells you something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you
2: go. Um, And and you were saying collectibles. They've given off a lot of space to things that aren't just games there.
1: Exactly, yes. Mm -hmm. So that's basically um, anything related to gaming. Like gaming figures, like um, toy figures from action figures from gaming from games like small Pikachu toys or whatever, Mm -hmm. or things that people might like in Minecraft pickaxe, something like that. You've probably seen those around. It's just things that geeks would like to own because it reminds them of uh, a video game that they know and love. And for people that don't play video games or are not like a part of the whole video game culture, this, it might sound like a ridiculous thing, but it's really a pretty big market.
0: No, I, I would agree with that. And you could even see the whole craze the past year has been what behind Fortnite. I mean I think oh, that's yeah. really that's really shown that um that there's a huge market for it. So I would agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. You play Fortnite?
1: I don't actually. No I don't. Yeah, neither do Jack. <laughs> Well, that's great. No. Do you
0: have any other thoughts or any other questions for, for Vetla on the topic? I think it was a pretty good discussion. Vetla, where can people find you on Twitter? And are you, I'm pretty sure you're pretty active on Twitter, just tweeting about different yeah. stuff, investing related, but where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter at Forsland. I can spell that for you. Um, v E T L E F O R S L A N D. That's my Twitter handle right there.
0: Perfect. So everyone go and uh, definitely look him up. Jeff and I both do follow him and, and go ahead and give him a follow. Uh, he does put out some good stuff on investing, and he is a contributor to the Focus Compounding website. So if you do uh, become a member, definitely go check out his writings. He has written up a few different articles, and they've all been uh, really high quality. Uh, but other than that, Bella, we really want to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, this was a, a really great discussion um, You know, for a lot of people. I think, like I said, especially the value investing community, GameStop has come up on everyone's screens, I would say, a lot I would, mm-hmm. for the yeah. past couple of years. And whether they've actually decided to dive into that or not, I think this is a pretty good introduction for a lot of right. people. Uh, so thank you very much for coming on. And obviously, uh, we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to listen to this podcast here today. This was a special guest podcast and we will plan to have these uh, more so in the future. We do think it's a fun little um, segmentation from our normal podcasts. If you do wanna read Jeff's weekly memo that he does send out, go to focuscompounding.com and on the homepage, you'll see a spot to enter in your email. And what that'll do is that'll put you on our list to receive a weekly memo from Jeff every Sunday. And, um, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's 500 plus words and yeah. it's, uh, been really well received and a lot of people really do enjoy reading it.
2: Yeah. And if they want to become a focus compounding member, uh, you can read this write up and others, the one that we just talked about, about GameStop and you just use the promo code podcast and you can get $10 off.
0: That's good. Monthly. Other than that, we hope everyone has a great day, a great week, and we will see you in the next podcast. Take care.